Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Are you jumping on mattresses you see on the sidewalk now? Oh, hoping, that's all I do. Yeah, hoping they have bed bugs. And- oh, yeah, I open it up, and it's love in there. I open up garbage cans and love in there, and then sometimes there's a homeless man in there, and he's just like, I killed love 20 years ago. And I'm like, hell yeah, man, let's go. And I go, I buy him a Whopper, and then we drink a bunch of vermouth at a bus stop together. <laughs> Los Angeles was great. I really had a great time. It's fun to be single. Woo, mingling. You see the the lights of Hollywood, the Hollywood sign, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Them city streets. Run, go tell. You know, the big <laughs> thing about Hollywood is that, yeah, I'm laying down in the gutter, but I'm staring up looking at the stars. And what I mean is I'm literally standing up, and I see fucking Chris Jenner there. <laughs> and I am physically laying in the street. Yeah. Well, it just sounds like a wonderful time. It's an alternative time. <laughs> That's what I'll say about my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say, yeah, and I'll be like, a quick little sad story is that uh, I th- somehow left a crack open in a window in my apartment when you I got did? home last night, uh, and it was 10 o'clock. Uh, it was 10 degrees outside. It was 10 o'clock at night by the time I got back from the airport, and I got in there, and it was so cold in there, I had to sleep with my coat on. <sighs> That's not bad. It's like you're camping. <laughs> so I grabbed the rest of my bottle of scotch, and I drank it in my coat in my bed. <laughs> Things are fine mm-hmm. <laughs> things are good nothing homeless about that uh you weren't covered in urine were you no i cape that in my peepee sack that's which perfect. is what i've been calling my bladder to people on the street oh the pee-pee i sack. like being single <laughs> <laughs> well you're doing great with it uh should we start the show yeah all right yes. everyone welcome to the show i'm ben kissel that's marcus parks we got to get this guy some encouragement over here to my left what's uh, yeah. going on with you i need i need some pep and some vigor you know what i I think I was really thinking down in the dark, like mm-hmm. while I was sitting here in a pit of sort of depression, started thinking about like, what is it that I really want to hear about? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. want to hear? About? Is, is it about? Would you like to hear about uh, the New York Knickerbockers? No. NBA All Star Weekend. No. Hmm. What could it be? Um. I don't know. It's just straight up as many murders as you can handle. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, last podcast on the left is back with some axe. Murders. Thank God rock and roll lives. Hail Satan. Sincerely, no other reason to cover axe murders oh, besides God. the fact, straight up, 
It's fucking axe murder. <laughs> you can kill people with a knife. You can shoot somebody in the face. You can drown someone in a pool. But you know what you can't do? Unless you're a super badass dude? Axe murder. Axe murder, number one, takes a lot of physical strength. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Lumberjacks do it to cut down trees. Yeah, and then people here do it to kill their wives. Think about that. <laughs> um, Marcus has an entire book on axe murder. It's called With an Axe. And did you read it on the subway in public? I did not. I kept this one in the basement. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Marcus treats all of his books like alcoholics treat beer on the subway. He has to put them in a brown paper bag so no one looks at him like he's breaking the law. <laughs> but I do. But I feel like it would have been fine if you were reading with an axe, but also like sharpening an axe or cleaning an axe. Right. And then it could be like, well, maybe. He, <laughs> maybe he's got he's one of them old timey jobs. Yeah. Because now how many. I've, I've seen like three different smelting companies open it up in Brooklyn since mm-hmm. we last talked about smelting last week on the Hollow Moon episode. The hipsters yeah. are really getting into smelting yeah, this year. Yeah, they, they boil a lot of, of nickel and zinc down mm-hmm. into any sort of lord-shaped pendants I've or lord-shaped yeah. belt buckles. I've seen right, it. Right, yep, right. It's the new fad. Yep. The uh, book is called uh, With an Axe. It's by H. Paul Jeffers. I would definitely recommend this book. Don't call him Jeffers, because if you do, he'll kill you with a fucking axe. <laughs> with an axe, yeah. The tagline is, some rage can only be satisfied one way. With an axe! Oh. <laughs> so, so yeah! Re- Rebecca, you said your husband's a writer. What does he write about? Is it fantasy? Is it fiction? <laughs> oh, he's been writing all day. Is this book about killing people with an axe. <laughs> Your husband must be rock and fucking roll. We haven't had sex in a month. (laughs) That's sad. Uh, yes. All right, well, so let's get into this. Let's first. jump in. So yeah, so we're going to be doing a case by case, uh, like uh, just covering stories of yeah. axe murder in American history. Yeah, we're, and we're going to start at the very. We're going to start way back. We're going to start in 1836. Because this is what I'll say. I feel like axe murder was way more prevalent. Definitely back in time. It really was in the book. Actually, a lot of the majority of the stories are from the 1800s up until the 1950s, 1940s, mm-hmm. something like that. In the next episode, we have a very special lady who brings it oh, way yes. into the 80s. Oh my oh, god. My special lady mm-hmm. is Carla Faye Tucker. We'll, we'll get to her on the next yeah. episode, but this one we're going to start off with Richard P. Robinson. Dick Robinson. Mm-hmm. He was 19 on April 9th, 19, 1836. He spent the day at his job as a clerk at a dry goods emporium right here in New York City. Ooh, and he was looking... Big Apple. The Big yeah. Apple. <laughs> looking forward to an evening visiting a beautiful prostitute named Helen and Jewett. Hmm. Now, one thing you got to know about Richard, very good wrestler. Okay, and okay. how do we know that? Because uh, the book said. Okay. <laughs> also, I think he tells a lot of people, if you're a very good wrestler, I mean, it's hard to say on a date. You want right. to say that the second sentence be like, Definitely. hey, my name's Daryl, and uh, I'm a very good wrestler. That's creepy. Check, please. I need to get out of here. He's about to murder but, me with an axe. But it's definitely the seventh fact you find out about somebody. Yeah, definitely. He was a very skilled debater, so he knew how to talk his way out of things. Because the way he did it, if you didn't agree with him, he, he just wrestled, wrestled you. Yeah. <laughs> yep, classic. That was one of the things in the Lincoln-Douglas debate they don't talk about when they just got naked and wrestled in oil. <laughs> well, it was said that he had a boyishly handsome face. He was uh, 19, so that makes sense. Curly, bl- golden blonde hair. Uh, and he also, quote, cut a dashing figure in a jaunty cape and a long Spanish cloak. Oh, what's a Spanish cloak? Is that the one that looks like a jailbird? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Like back the in one. the day? Or is, that, or is it like kind of like the Esquilita, like, you know, the nerds? 
that sort of nerd outfit. Uh, I yeah. only seen seven seven episodes of Univision, and I've never left America. <laughs> I think it's one of those jackets that you were only allowed to leave a conversation with a sharp one eighty spin. Yeah. So it and a good day to you, sir. And goodbye. <laughs> From what Google Image Search tells me, it's uh, about true waist high and mostly purple. Oh, so it's a very he, he actually describes most hipsters that we see here in Williamsburg. That's a prince mm-hmm. jacket. Very nice. Yeah, 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 definitely a prince jacket. Wow. Yeah. So he was a big fan of the theater, but his true love was the company of beautiful women, specifically the prostitutes at 41 Thomas Street in downtown Manhattan. He liked prostitutes. He loved prostitutes. Right. But it was a high-class cat house. It is now the site of Birdbath Green Bakery. Oh, wow. I wonder if they still got little ghosts of Chisholm shooting through the air. Oh, they're making their dough. Oh, that's That's so sweet. I can't wait to get really hammered and go down there someday this week and be like, there's ghosts of whores in here. Uh, How's the scones? Everybody liking the scones? So you got the scones on sale, but where are the prostitutes? I know they're here. That's your uh, secret item. That's your secret menu item is the prostitutes in the back. I go up to one of the bakers and be like, here, come come here and start putting $20 in. No, I'm just a baker. I am not a prostitute. What What are you even referencing? What's your price? Everybody's got a price. You, you are discussing one situation from over a hundred years ago. <laughs> so Robinson was known at Forty One Thomas Street as Frank Rivers, and he and Helen Jewett, the prostitute in question, had been seeing each other for a year. At this point, they had met Ooh. in the lobby of a theater where Robinson had come to the rescue of Helen from the botherings of a drunken ruffian. So this guy dated a prostitute for a year? His reward for saving her from the drunken ruffian was a free pass to a fuck at a whorehouse on Duane Street known as the Palais de de la Duche Barry. This is why the Price is Right needs to be run and operated by prostitutes. Fuck a yacht. I I want a bang trip on some bizarre (laughs) carnival cruise line. This also probably shows a whole alternative area of the Marvel Universe where no one wants to talk about just how many over the costume hand jobs <laughs> spider-man must have received like every time he did something someone would i would have done it be like mm-hmm. thank you so much spider-man do you need a mm-hmm. you need mm-hmm. a release mm-hmm. you know oh, you, like, you want me to activate my other web well you know um <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility and a huge boner oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. hell yeah <laughs> so after <laughs> spider-man so seems sad. to be hanging from a, so he's hanging from a building through a, through a through his dick string i didn't know he could web through his penis that's semen <laughs> So he doesn't save prostitutes now. Oh, man. So the relationship bloomed between the young, handsome clerk and the prostitute. Robinson reportedly said that he was never happier than he was when he was at the theater. I know this is back in the 1880s. uh, 1830s, dude. 1830s, even more so. Theater was just like you had like a goat with a hat on Mm -hmm. and a dude farting into a barrel that they called, (laughs) oh, it's the bean man. No, they did. That was the theater. There was actually a whole subset of French theater. Uh, by guys who farted for money. That's great. And they would fart tunes. They would fart. It was like farting Gary on Mr. Show, except that was a real thing. Wow. Now wow. we got these people warbling songs about being witches and shit. I think that's so much better than Shrek the Musical. Big old French farts. Perfect. So, so of course, Robinson took umbrage with Helen's line of work, but Robinson himself 
also saw other prostitutes on the side. Mm. And Helen Jewett, incensed that he would dare to go see another woman, traveled over to the Broom Street whorehouse where Robinson was stepping out and brutally beat the whore that Robinson was seeing. This is the kind of woman... You need that. That's what I'm thinking. Kind of a keeper. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a keeper. Well, this wasn't the only blow up that she had. They, of course, reconciled. Oh, after so that. she was like a like an uncontrollable prostitute. <laughs> Are you telling me she was emotionally unstable? An 1830s woman who was a moonlighting as a prostitute? No, that's no, so... she was a moonlighting. It was definitely her full time. It was job. a full time gig. Oh yeah, oh, she yeah. had a name tag and an <laughs> office. Right. So of course Robinson stepped out again with another prostitute and Jewett made the first threat. She threatened to circulate a story that Robinson had caused the death of a young young girl who he wronged and then deserted. Okay. And of course, he's trying to smooth this over this morning because he's, you know, a fair, he works at a dry goods store, but he's still a fairly well-respected guy in the New York scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tried to smooth it over. I mean, everyone respected his Yelp reviews of all the prostitutes he fucks. <laughs> yes. Is there a prostitute Yelp out there? there Backpage.com. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they definitely rate him over there. Isn't that something? So he tried to smooth it over by promising to marry her, but Jewett heard that Robinson actually planned to marry a woman who wasn't a prostitute. Wouldn't you believe it? I can't that I can't fathom the idea of marrying a woman who isn't a prostitute. Wow. And she sent him a letter. Of course, the, it's starting to escalate now. She sent him a letter saying, I feel... Oh, wait. I feel amazing in like blowing you up if I dared, but not with powder. Is that the prostitute? Yeah. Oh, well, I, that, I can see why he paid her good. Money. I feel amazing. <laughs> she was from Chicago, Henry. And I feel amazingly like blowing you up if I dared, but not with powder. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that bears. Dream she, woman. Um, I feel amazingly like blowing you up if I dared, but not with powder. Doesn't that mean like I feel like giving you a blowjob? I think it's got to. Or mm. sex, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. For but sure. she, I thought she was mad. <laughs> or is it like the Bene Gesserit, like sex witches to the end yeah. of Dune? That's <laughs> that. I'm saying that's a, that's a deep reference. That's a deep cut, dude. It, it's, it, I think this woman only has one option to show her anger or show her happiness, and that's through her vagina. So mm-hmm. if she's really upset with you, she fucks you, and if she's really happy with you, she fucks you. Well, the thing is, is that she can also do a very special move where she can run and jump up to a human's height. Get your head lodged up inside of her own vagina yes. and just snap it off. <laughs> the <laughs> like old it's Russian, the top of a breadstick. Yep, the old Russian doll death. Yeah. Put it inside of you, and then you end up dead. Yeah, it's called Medusa's Cave. <laughs> <laughs> I could go there every weekend until I die. Oh, now, Robinson, he gets this letter. Now he's got something to lose because he's got a prospective marriage on the line. The woman is of higher class than he. So he's looking to climb up the social ladder a bit. Right. He responded with a note that said, Keep quiet until I come on Saturday night, and then we will see if we cannot be better friends hereafter. Do not tell any person I shall come. <laughs> How is he spelling come there? Is there a U in the middle or is it an O? And then an e it wasn't called, ejaculating wasn't coming then. It, oh. was, it was called something like booting it out. <laughs> I see. I mean, if go. there was a period there, it's like do not tell any person, period. I shall come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. So he arrived that Saturday at 9 p.m. Jewett took him upstairs where the madam, a Mrs. Townsend, who will play into the story later, saw him briefly before 
Helen's door was closed. And at midnight, another prostitute named Mary Stevens, who was in the room across the hall, was awoken by a thump immediately followed by a low moan. And this does not sound very different than most of the sounds that would happen at a whorehouse. Of a course. thump and then a low moan. That's the problem with, I mean, honestly, with a lot of uh, murders in the case of murdering prostitutes is that that's the truth, is that the struggle can sometimes sound like really intense sex. I yep. had a roommate. I had never seen gay sex before. Mm-hmm. And I had a roommate in college. <laughs> in real life. In real life. <laughs> in real life. And so I, I was in my room in college and next door to me, I heard this like, boom. Boom, 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 rolling around. It's like, oh, uh, uh. right. I thought they were um, fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, because um, they were too strong, man. Mm-hmm. And then I walk in there and I knock on the door. I'm like, hey, what's going on in here? And they were, um, <laughs> wow. They were making love. You to got each other. But in a way that was, um, I don't know. It, I would have killed my girlfriend. <laughs> well, that's why these. Yeah, they, they know that they're with men, and mm-hmm. men can be a little bit rougher. They were straight with up each punching other. each other. It's a physical wow. game. They were sometimes. strong. Yeah. They were strong. Yeah, you, I lingered there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy you got to have the same experience as like a 40 year old Midwestern housewife when her friend, oh, her son, always has his best friend Barry over. Hey guys, I made you muffin. Oh. Okay. <laughs> And then you slowly exit and pretend like you didn't see it. Yeah, they were doing the naked squirrel. They gave me a wink and I I left the room. (laughs) So the thump followed by the low moan was followed by a moment later, uh, the prostitute Marie Stevens heard Jewett's door open and closed, followed by footsteps going down the hall, opening the door. Thanks for the sex. I'll see you soon. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Opening the door, she saw a tall man in a long cloak with a lamp walking down the stairs. Of course, she thought nothing of it. Went back to sleep. Two hours later, though, the madam, Mrs. Townsend, found Helen's lamp downstairs. As she returned it to Helen's room, she noticed that the door was open, and she uh, could not. She noticed a burning smell coming from inside. Hmm. And when she opened the door wider, the backdraft caused the room to erupt into flames. I feel like oh, all of New York City was just on the verge of exploding in the 1830s. <laughs> yes. Everybody was talking about because that's like during the times of like tenement houses too. Oh, where it's yeah. like, and the Lower East Side was literally just jam packed with as many. Italians all just mm. laying on top of each other. And Jews. Like Jewish a, people and Italians. And absolutely. Would, like a giant stinky lasagna. It was. <laughs> and isn't, wasn't, uh, was uh, was Albert Fish roaming the streets around this time as well? No, he was early 1900s. He was early 1900s. Okay. So yeah. it, was just, it was terrible then. So you can imagine what it was like in the 1830s. Oh, yeah. So once stinky. The- Oh, yeah. Oh, it's stinky. Awful. Oh, yeah. So once the fire was extinguished, they found Helen Jewett dead on the floor. She was clad in her nightgown with one arm raised over her head while the other laid across her chest. And the left side of her body from her waist up was completely charred. And her left temple had been struck three times with an axe. Uh Uh-oh. Are you a tree bitch? (laughs) <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, he definitely chopped her down. Oh, yeah. He definitely chopped her down. So, eventually, Robinson was tracked down. He wasn't that hard of a guy to find. He had given some information out at the whorehouse. I work at a dry goods store. Mm-hmm. My name is Frank Rivers. Dry goods. You know, like oats and rope. Right. <laughs> dry right. goods. Yes, hello. Yes, dry goods. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Sand. It's better than working at the wet store. Oh, you know? that's her. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. the the boots would rot through. Boots <laughs> rot. The bread's all wet. You know, it's never very good. So he was eventually tracked down, and his roommate, James Two, when he shook him to wake him up, Robinson exclaimed, This is an odd business. 
And then the police arrested him. For what? The, uh, For shouting in a closed room. <laughs> oh, I see. That was a crime back in the day. You could kill a prostitute. Oh, oh, sure. But you yeah, get yeah. the death penalty for shouting in a closed room. I agree with that. <laughs> Never mind for farting on a, on a campfire. Well, save it for the stage, you know? Don't waste those farts. <laughs> boy! Texas Beat is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some chop. Texas Pete sriracha sauce. And I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of chai. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be 
pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So in Robinson's backyard, they found a bloodstained hatchet. And it was surmised that... No, Jew- that's not mine. That is not my bloodstained. That's not mine. Oh, that's pie. Oh, yeah. oh, that's pie all over that <laughs> Did hatchet. Did you know I work at a, gr- a dry goods store? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So it was surmised that Jewett had been killed instantly by the first blow to the head, which came as a surprise since there were no signs of struggle whatsoever, and the fire had been set to conceal the murder, and the other two thwacks were just made to ensure that she was fucking dead. Sure, sure. What do you say when you're about to swing an axe inside of a lady's temple there? I mean, you could yell the classic golf, like, four? Yeah. Or you could, I mean, hey, you'll... Never need a hat again. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> it's really about saving money at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're permanent bangs. You could all say giving a woman permanent bangs is what you mean when you hit her in the face with an axe. Sure. sure. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. So James Gordon. I don't think about it. No, don't think about don't it. Don't think about no, it. I don't think about it. You're not don't in the right headspace to think about murdering women right now. No, not at all. You're not even in the right headspace to talk to a woman right now. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, the uh, local New York papers, they jumped on the story. And this guy, James Gordon Bennett, he was allowed to see the body, and he described the body as such. I could scarcely look at it for a second or two. Shortly, I began to discover the lineaments of the corpse, as one with the beauties of a statue of marble. It was the most remarkable sight I ever beheld. I never have and never expect to see such another... My God! exclaimed I. How like a statue! I can scarcely conceive that to be a corpse. Not a vein to be seen. The body looked as white, as full, as polished, as the pure Parisian marble. The perfect figure, the exquisite limbs, the fine face, the full arms, the beautiful bust, all surpassing in every respect the Venus de Medici. For a few moments, I was lost in admiration at this extraordinary sight. Mm -hmm. A beautiful female corpse that surpassed the finest statue of antiquity. That was in the newspaper. (laughs) I just feel like there's a police sergeant be like, okay, dandy boy, now wrap her up. Why are you talking out loud? Save it for the book. You want to be a writer? You want to be a writer? Wrap her up. He's saying that out loud while moving her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's like she's saying it, if you think about it like that. Get out of here, Jimmy. Okay. Now, amazingly enough, this type of reporting would give birth to a type of journalism that has become extremely important in today's day and age, investigative journalism. This was the birth of... Like TMZ? (laughs) Is it like TMZ? This was the... Because before this, all that the papers would do is that they would just report the murder. 
prostitute killed in cat house. End of story. Maybe a couple mm-hmm. of paragraphs. But with this story, this, this was story, a- he talked about how awesome her tits look while she was dead. Yes. <laughs> the death That's of some the investigative great- journalism they right there. They nicknamed her Wobbly Wendy. And uh, it was really, she She became a star post-mortem. The birth seeds of Walter Cronkite. <laughs> mm, that's right. Yeah, rather than just report on the murder, they dug into the life of the victim, the life of uh, the perpetrator, the lives of all the people surrounding the because story. Because basically you discovered that's how you get repeat customers. Yeah. You create a story arc, mm-hmm. and then people want to hear about the story for days. You'll sell newspapers for five days. And uh, think about it, nine prostitutes get killed an hour. That's nine different stories. That's <laughs> Nine different stories. You find the story that matters the most, and you run with that one. And, of course, Bennett's obsession with the murders definitely turned off his contemporaries a little bit. Uh, one critic said he was like a vampire to a newly found graveyard, like the carrion bird to the carcass, like any vile thing to its congenital element. But I actually, this is really interesting to me, truly, because this this argument goes on today. And yeah. We're going oh, yeah. to have this argument constantly when it comes to news media, um, glorifying the deaths of these innocent people versus honoring them, uh, you know, and, and, going, uh, and their struggles. You know, it's what been is going on worth? since 1836 in the very beginning. But to be honest, is it not actually it is better to tell the whole story of the person at least. And yes, it's exploitive, but it used to be like you know anonymous prostitute hacked to death in in alleyway and that was it and that was their right. whole life. Like no one yeah. knew anything about their life. Oh, and they went all out with this. Uh they had lithographers releasing sketches, drawings and paintings that was not only depicted Helen Jewett but also depicted the murder in progress. The one picture of uh Helen Jewett's half naked uh and uh partially draped with a burned blanket body was the biggest seller. It was in mm. full color. People could not get enough of it. Uh, and the public, they loved the newspaper coverage of it. Oh, right. They yeah. bought every single paper having anything to do with the Jewett murder. Uh, but Bennett, he strongly believed, Bennett, the uh, man of the uh, marbled corpse fame, uh, he strongly believed that Robinson was innocent in the murder and that he was being set up by Rosina Townsend, the madam, and the first person to discover the crime scene. He even wrote and published a poem about Madame oh. Rosina Townsend. We don't have the full poem, but we've got the beginning of it. Wow. This is Rosina's part for all mankind. Were opened rare and unconfined. Like some free port of trade, merchants unloaded here their freights, and agents from each foreign state here first their entry made. She was a whore. <laughs> mm, very, that last line doesn't really seem to fit oh, in very well. Oh. It's interesting, though. Gore, people think that it's a modern-day phenomenon God, with no. Rotten.com and stuff. I watched this great documentary about the National Enquirer, and that's where the guy really kind of broke through. All he was showing was corpses. All he showed was mangled it? flesh that got hit by trains and shit like that. It was more brutal than they'll show today, for but sure. also, I mean, just think about just Victorian times where they used to take their dead kids up and still stick a steel oh, rod yeah. up through their back so that they can face forward, dead-eyed, looking at a camera. It takes 45 minutes to develop a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Tom and Becky kept on dying one day before photo day. Oh, did I tell you this? I was even on, I was calling in to cancel a flight. I called in the woman, and I was was like, oh, Henry, that's a beautiful name. I was just like, thank you. And she's like, it's really coming back, the name Henry. And I was like, oh, Hmm. yeah, sure, it is. Yeah, Yeah, I've been hearing a lot. Yeah, yeah, she's like, I had a, a son named Henry. We were going to name oh. him Henry, but um, he died in my belly. <laughs> well, Henry, maybe you shouldn't call Ghost Airlines any longer, and you should just fly Delta. And then literally, then I was like, oh, 
Well, <laughs> I can be your son. And then she went, oh, and have you seen that dra- that movie with Kevin Costner, Dragonfly? That's oh. the best movie I've ever seen. I'd recommend it to everyone I talk to. So my flight's canceled then? Is that what? Okay, yes. I can't you. help you with canceling your flight. No, I'm sorry. You've wasted the money. <laughs> Well, due to Bennett's constant haranguing of her character, Rosina was forced completely out of business, and she sold all of the whorehouse furnishings, furnishings at auction. And when Jewett's <laughs> bed was sold, it was immediately slashed to pieces that were carried away, quote, as meekly but joyously as would a pilgrim, a portion of the true cross. I would love to watch the husband when his wife brings home the new couch. She's like... Uh, honey, where did you get? It smells like like a whore, right? Like yeah, yeah. Where'd you, you, where'd you get the? Oh, I got it from a whore. You got it from the whore. Okay, yeah, I was yeah, just wondering. Yeah, yeah. Smell like oh, semen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love it. Okay. There's still oh, glitter yeah. all over. Okay, like licking the cushions. Yeah, so you're, you're, it's safe to sit on. Okay, everyone's got a passion, right? And yeah. sometimes what I like to do is collect prostitutes' things. I'm actually really into 1836 to 1839 whore furniture. <laughs> um, it's really kind of a bizarre fashion. It's a bizarre trend that nobody's currently caught. On to. Well, the first day of the trial took place a month and a half after the murder and drew a crowd of 6,000 people to downtown New York City, all of them wanting to get seats. But Richard, ever the dandy, wore a brown wig to replace the hair that had been closely cropped while he had awaited trial. <laughs> get this. Bring me a wig. I cannot face my adoring public this way. Bring me a wig. I want to look as much like a woman as possible. <laughs> Fetch me a new gallon of powder. My skin has become brown from standing outside for an hour. <laughs> you want to look good on your big day, you know? Well, there was an impressive amount of evidence uh, against Robinson. It was all circumstantial. A grocer testified that Robinson was in his shop smoking cigars and reading the newspaper oh, yeah, at the time I saw of the Robinson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. He was sitting over there smoking a cigar. Yeah, reading the newspaper. I remember he was talking about a funny idea about a single guy living with a cat that he'd call him... Garfield. Yeah, that sounds funny. Yeah. Wow, interesting. And the old Jim Davis there, huh? And as far as the axe went, the manufacturer of the axe said that since 1834, in just two years, he had sold over 2,500 such instruments in New York City alone. Wow, good day for good year to be in the axe business. Great year for the axe business. And then next, the defense attacked the credibility of the witness of the witnesses. Whores and uh, madams, of course, mm-hmm. uh, about Madam Townsend, the uh, defense said. It is her who was sworn against him. It is she who would erect a gallows for that man. It is she who would send him to an early grave. Mm-hmm. There is a foul conspiracy in this matter, and the whole in that house have combined. God only knows who he had offended in that house. It is a tough uphill battle for the prosecution. It's all circumstantial, and all of your witnesses are prostitutes. Mm-hmm. That's a problem, and yeah. everybody's um, a born liar and grifter right. <laughs> and everyone around them is a, like literally a grifter yeah. you have to lie to yeah. Be, yeah yeah this is downtown new york city in 1836 it is a cesspit of humanity yes definitely yeah. uh so the jury deliberated for 30 minutes before returning with a verdict of not guilty all right uh, but robinson as he lay dying 14 years later after contracting a fever in louisville kentucky it was said that he repeated one name over and over helen jewett 
Oh, he's in love the, with the prostitute. He's in love with the prostitute. Oh, it's like Richard Gere. <laughs> oh, that's so romantic. He went up on her dresses. If mm-hmm. he didn't fucking chop her head well, nearly actually, in half with an axe. If you stick, uh, stick around after the credits of Pretty Woman, this is the final scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Richard Gere takes an axe. And chops b- her top of her fucking dome off. And yep. then Samuel L. Jackson walks in as the guy, Nick Fury, and he's just like, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> That's right. And then Julia Roberts is like, I'll be back. And then she haunts him in another movie. Yeah, ghost, ghost whore. Ghost, <laughs> ghost whore. Ghost. Pretty woman too, yeah. Oh, I loved ghost whore. Helen Jewett did have somewhat of a similar fate. Her body was dug up by medical students, Ugh, uh, reduced to a skeleton and hung in a cabinet. Uh, her A representation of her in wax along with a figure of Robinson became the central attraction of a chamber of horrors that traveled horrors, not right, horrors, right. Yeah. A, a chamber of horrors mm-hmm. that traveled from city to city on the East Coast. The current whereabouts of her bones uh, are unknown. And uh, and I guess it's just what happens when you read the... When, and I guess it's just what happens when you meet the wrong end of an axe. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> God, that sounds um, good. And also, I bet, the, I bet those medical students used her uh, skeleton because they wanted to see just... Um, apparently, they say a prostitute's knees can actually be up to 200 years older than the rest <laughs> of her skeleton. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and so they huh. wanted to take a look at it. It's from the blowjobs. Oh, I understand? see. You understand? I get yeah. it now. Yeah. I didn't I, get it at first. And the hardwood uh, floors there of the early 1800s. Sex work, though, should be uh, lifted above just mere prostitution. I, I agree. Like and this poor prostitute did not deserve to die. Uh, apparently, this Robinson character, the only thing we have is the judicial system. And apparently, he did not do it. So mm-hmm. we have to find the, I'm going to find the true killer. I'm going to look for a man who is 150 years old. You're going to find him? And you're going to need to put a shirt on first before you leave. It's 10 degrees outside. Oh, I didn't know. (laughs) Next up, we've got the Barnes Mystery. We're traveling over to merry old England. This is, it's March of 1879. The victim, Julia Martha Thomas. When people used to use axes like they were spoons. Oh, yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Gotta get that meat pie somehow. (laughs) So, Julia Martha Thomas, she was a twice-widowed 60-year-old recluse, lived a few miles upstream from London on the River, on the river Thames. Uh, she, I believe it's pronounced Thames. Thames? Is it Thames? Thames. Thames. Okay. We're going to get a lot of shit either yeah. way, so it is oh, even yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, we're just going to... Oh, my God, he pronounced it wrong. Well, no, fucking excuse me. It's Glockisberry, not Glocky-Glocky. Yeah, it's all odd. Uh, oh, and I should know, because I'm from Manchester upon Stepford upon Rippington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't be following everybody. We're going we're gonna to be very popular in the UK. They're very popular, us, very yeah. popular. So she had su- supplemented her income from time to time with lodgers, but in January of 1879, she decided that she wanted to take on a maid instead. She hired on a woman named Kate Webster. So this is sort of a uh, before Airbnb situation. Yeah. She just brought in people to her home. And it's sort of like a slave but it's like it's it's like you buy it's like you buy a roommate that has to do everything that you say. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sure. And Kate Webster um, was built like a brick shit house. Yes, she was. She's a strong gal. Huh? Big yeah. woman. That's real good. big woman. That's who you want for a maid. Yep. Ran completely opposite to Thomas, who was an avid churchgoer. Uh, Webster was a bit of a drunk. She was a frequent visitor to a tavern run by a woman known only as Mrs. Hayhoe. Cool. <laughs> wow. The tavern was called the Hole in the Wall, uh, and. She 
she was known as being, quote, typically Irish and never more so than when she drank. So toothless raging. Rages um, full of booze. That's what they mean by typically Irish. She Actually, leaves like, the are, house with pants on, but then she comes home and there's no more pants. Yeah. Irish women are, like, beautiful. They are. For, right? Yeah, they, for the they, most part. Well, <laughs> Irish women and Polish women... They age. They they just no, once no, they no, start no, aging, no, no. they really they hit it hard. Irish they hit women, aging hard. It's the Polish women. The Polish women go from they turn into like yaya from the ages <laughs> of like thirty two to thirty five. All of a sudden, they're just like mushy, mushy. But at first, they're just honestly the most icy beaut- and mean to you on the train, and they're gorgeous, gorgeous mm-hmm. women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was also said that her n- moods were found to be dark and morose, hmm. but so seemed many Irish to the English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Subtle racism towards the Irish. Very yeah, racism. She was born in 1849 as Catherine Lawler to a poor but respectable Irish family in Killane County, Wexford. Of course, she was a problem child from the beginning, uh, penchant for stealing, always tearfully promised repentance repentance anytime she was cop, only to return to her ways soon afterwards. Mm-hmm. At 16, she got sick of Ireland, stole enough money to book a passage across the Irish Sea, and went to England, arrived in Liverpool, changed her name to Kate Webster, and spent the next two years surviving on on what she could steal, finally got caught with her hand in a gentleman's pocket and was given a four-year sentence. That's way too much. Is yeah. it, though? I th- what I is a normal... So. What is a pickpocket sentence? A pickpocket sentence? I don't know. Probation? Four years seems like an awful lot. I think this woman was very brave for leaving her family at 16 years old, getting on a boat and going over to merry old England all alone. No, she's, she's a badass chick. She's, she's a obviously, sociopath. Yeah, she's a sociopath. <laughs> well, could be. very good at her job. Well, she got no. caught with her hand in the, you know proverbial you, cookie jar. That's but the problem with a pickpocket is that there's not a big learning curve there. Yeah. You gotta be good immediately. Yes, you do. Because you're getting caught. You do. You know what I mean? I mm. miss the old art of the pickpocket. You don't see it around as much as you used to, but these people were, they were ninjas. Yeah, because we don't live in the movie Aladdin. <laughs> we're not running around stealing apples from grocery carts and going like, I'm a ribald thief. Mm. And I, you know, and I run along a fucking laundry line and I got a monkey on my shoulder named the Pooh <laughs> that does all, it's my best friend for some reason and not a vicious thing riddled with bugs and disease. Every time I remember that we're not living in the movie Aladdin, it just hurts. Yeah. It's stings a little bit. Oh, yeah, it stings real yeah. hard. So after Kate was released from prison after serving her full term of four years, she emerged a, quote, powerfully built woman of 22 uh, and immediately fled to London. But the thing is, like, did they lift weights and shit? I think so, yeah. You just got to do sit-ups and push-ups, and she was probably eating a bunch of box and having a great sexual time. No, it wasn't like women's prison, like, back in, like, Yeah, now. it was. I don't think so. Oh, totally. Huh. Yeah, women's prisons don't change that much, man. Yeah, they just hang out, they have a good time, and I'm sure she was revered as a goddess. Yeah, it's, I guess it's Might true. Be. Yeah, especially if you got a big, thick chest. Oh, yeah. And it's the back is the thing. If you got a long back, <laughs> oh yeah, that, she, that gives you power immediately. She was mm-hmm. living like Richard Speck in there. She was loving her life. So she decided to go straight after she got out of prison, found work as a maid, Where, uh, but when the income proved to be a little less than she wanted, she turned to prostitution. Now, this is an interesting fact that I found in this book. According to a poll made by a prison chaplain in the year before Kate was released, it was found that only 4% of the 6,000 prostitutes interviewed said that they had been quote ruined by a man ruined by a man yikes and the other 11,000 said that they had chosen to quote sail along on their bottoms to escape poverty well Mm. that makes sense she's a big beefy gal she can deal with some young British gentleman going over there may I may I Uh, uh, sorry Uh, 
Uh, uh, sorry there. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that makes sense. And I mean, I, 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 she must have been quite a uh, specialty for the uh, for the brothel. You know, do you want a beautiful skinny woman? Do you want a uh, do you want a middle aged busty broad, or do you just want a, a beefy beefcake? Sometimes I think about it. If I was a tiny little British man who wore like yeah. you know a tight little top coat and a top hat, it would be kind of fun to get a big burly woman that's way bigger than you. Yeah. You fucking slap a saddle on the back of her and you ride her around for a little <laughs> Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. I mean, there's like no Trump. sex and it's good fun. We're all having fun eating apples. Being a horse owner and horse for the day. That's fun. I feel like that's the 4% who said they were ruined by a man. Yeah, no, he never penetrated me. We played horse owner and horse. And yes, I was the horse. But there was plenty of apples, and um, he, but he never took his top hat off or his clothes. It was terrible. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I- I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster. Because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there 
And oh man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Unfortunately, the risk of pregnancy was constant for prostitutes in the 1870s, and Kate became with child. She didn't quit the prostitution game, but she picked up her old habit of theft and spent another four years in and out of jail. Didn't spend the whole four years in jail, but after an 18-month stop being a prostitute while being pregnant. I, mean, I, don't, I think you just go, in, you no, go into no, a subcategory of fetish. No, she didn't stop being prostituted. Oh, you can roll with all that yeah. stuff. Dudes have a baby fetish. The pregnancy fetish thing is super real. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Thomas super Crown real. Affair? I never did see it, I no. I think I saw it once. My mom really likes that movie. I feel like if I was a pregnant prostitute, I'd get into art thievery. Uh-huh. <laughs> and start learning how to do that thing where you you, you know you spray the, the gas and you see the lasers in the jewel case. Right. And then you kind of fold yourself through the lasers and then you meet Pierce Brosnan and then he takes you up out of all your bullshit. That's what you think pregnancy is. That's the only thing I can imagine it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that pregnancy fetish thing really is right. I knew an Irish Catholic dude who had a horrible pr- fetish what? for pregnancy. I don't know. Whatever. He'd talk about it, and you're like, yeah, the, when the bellies are like really round oh. and stuff like that, it's, like, it's just so fucking sexy. You know what I like so much? <sighs> what I do is I, 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 I be doing it and doing it, and then I do I grab the belly while the baby's in there, and I press my face a bit and go be like, oh, can you feel it, baby? Can you feel it, baby? That's pretty much what I think they do. It's disgusting. <laughs> I don't get the pregnancy thing. I'll never understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having trouble? Go to sleep. Let me rock you to sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not your father. I'm not your father. I'll you never know, like, be your father. <laughs> a baby, like, kicks in the womb, and this baby's, like, kicking and screaming. Just oh. like, get me out of here. Right, let's get to this axe murder. Please, so, uh, God. Oh, do you want to get to this axe murder? I think we do. <laughs> oh, 
it's so good. Oh, man, so many licks. Uh, so after an 18-month stint in prison, uh, Kate and her son moved in with a friend, a woman named Mrs. Crease, who told Kate that an elderly woman by the name of Julia Thomas was looking for a maid. Kate applied wearing her finest clothing and was hired on the spot. She left the child with Crease, and Kat moved in with Julia Thomas on fe- in February of 1879. Within weeks, the situation completely deteriorated. Uh, Webster thought Why? Thomas because she was a broad-shouldered prostitute thief? And who a was drunk. Th- big, and uh, a broad-shouldered uh, prostitute Irish drunk thief. Fresh yeah. out of prison. Let's just say this woman doesn't know how to hire the best people. Maybe not the best manager. Well, you want to do like a background check on her. This woman is going to be your maid living in your house. A background <laughs> check might be something. Just think about doing it. Hey, background check. Hey, why don't you take a look at my back there and see that's all the back I got. It's nine feet of it. <laughs> that is, you're funny, you're hired. Shut up! Okay. <laughs> so it's not known how exactly this relationship came to a head. We don't know what the impetus was for the brutal murder that was to come. She probably spilled the tea or some other gigantic British crime. <laughs> <laughs> All we know is that the two women argued on March 2nd, and Webster was told that her services were no longer needed. Now, Thomas left Webster to pack up her things and went to church, hoping that the burly woman would be gone by the time she returned home. I don't know how many times I went to church just hoping that burly woman would be gone. (laughs) Right. No, they're always right where you left them. (laughs) So Webster, uh, so Thomas comes home, uh, and when she comes home, Webster's waiting in the dark for her and then rushes towards the old woman and struck her in the head with a hatchet with a glancing blow. Oh, in the dark. Oh, yeah. I could kill you with a hatchet with my eyes closed. <laughs> I know, because I killed a woman in the dark once. So Thomas didn't go down immediately? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, she didn't go down immediately. I mean, she was a 60-year-old woman, still didn't go down, and as she struggled with Webster, who was much larger and much heftier mm. than the old widow. That was her number one mistake. If you're 60, always get someone more frail and sensitive than you. Absolutely. Yeah. Always have to. Never get into a hand-to-hand combat no. with a woman f- a foot taller than you. With a hatchet. Whew. Yeah. And so uh, as they were in their struggle, uh, Thomas lost her balance and tumbled down the stairs, and Webster followed her down and fucking placed the axe directly in her skull. Yeah. That's where an axe goes to sleep. That's an axe's favorite home. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yep, right in the skull of an old you put, woman. You put kitchen knives in a butcher, in a, in a block of wood. You put, you put axes. axes in an old bitch's head. That's where it sleeps. <laughs> so Webster, who had obviously planned ahead, she drug the corpse into the kitchen where a boiling pot of water was waiting. On the table was a meat cleaver, a large assortment of knives, and two empty jars. And some onions. Mmm, very good. <laughs> a nearby red Resting on a chair was a black leather bag, and on the floor was a wooden box with several cloth sacks inside, all lined with thick brown paper. Webster removed all Thomas's clothing and folded all her dress neatly on a table nearby. She then hacked off Thomas's head with a cleaver and placed it in the black leather bag. She then cut the body into chunks and threw the pieces into the boiling water. And we don't know how long she spent at this task, but it is known that she took a break to have a few drinks with Mrs. Hayho down at the hole in the wall. I love it. I think that's how God made the continents. Yeah. <laughs> Chopped up a ribbon and just put it all over the earth. I also think, you know, when you're a mother, you got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right? And she's a mother first. That's a first job. Axe murder a second. 
That's right. Prostitute third. Her grifter fourth. <laughs> <laughs> but first job is being a mother. Most you got to take job. care of your shit. Most important job. Yeah, she was a mother at this point to a four-year-old, I guess. Uh, somewhere on there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, four or five years old. Who also eventually grow to be a prostitute and murders people with an axe. There we go. <laughs> it's the family business. So after Kate got well soused uh, for talking with Miss May- Hayhoe for about an hour, she went back to the house, returned to the job at hand. She removed the boiling pieces of flesh from the pot and stuffed them into the paper-lined sacks, and the fat that had been boiled away was ladled into the two jars. A fire was built for the bones and the body parts that were too large for the pot were placed in the box. The job took over a day to complete. As far as the fat went, though, legend has it that the next day, Kate went door to door in the neighborhood trying to sell two jars of, quote, the best fat dripping. <laughs> well, I would tell love you- to watch. I would love to hear her pitch. Oh, yeah, and I will also say, uh, if this was Williamsburg, Brooklyn, that would... Uh- that's par for the case. That is a hipster. That is like farm to table. That yep. is as organic as you can get it. It's perfect. Every oh, yeah. Hipsters would absolutely... Did you know this actually comes from a 60-year-old woman <laughs> who was a churchgoer? Yeah, I rub it all over my artisanal breads. So while that story is in dispute, it is known that she did show up at a pawnbroker's and sold the dead woman's gold bridge work with the false teeth still attached. And no one asks the question. No one wants to know where the teeth came <laughs> yeah. from. Oh, a pawnbroker you know, in fucking London in 1879? I no. fucking hate that show on History Channel, Pawn Stars. It's all old baseball cards and things from Star Wars. Yeah, it's never it needs like to... a fake foot or like a sullied gun. Exactly. <laughs> it needs to be murder weapons and then victim bodies of... Body parts of victims that might be worth something. Yeah, orphan's clothes. That would be great. Where'd the <laughs> orphan come piles from? Piles and piles of orphan clothes. Hmm. So she got six shillings from that deal, spent it all at the hole in the wall that afternoon. Man, she should just get a job at the hole in the wall working the door. Seriously. So drunk, hmm. she went back to Thomas's house, helped herself to some of Thomas's finest clothing, went to call on a friend named Henry Porter, hmm. uh, and her in her possession was the black leather bag containing Julia Thomas's head. She took the head with her. Got to. So Webster told Porter that she was newly widowed and had also inherited a small villa from a wealthy aunt. While she wanted to keep the villa, she told uh, her she told Porter that she needed help in selling all the furniture. She didn't want the old bitch's stuff. So Porter put her in contact with a guy named John Church. And as she got up to leave, Porter suggested that his 16-year-old son, Robert, accompany Kate home as it was late. And when oh, they yeah. arrived back at Thomas's house, Kate had Robert help her uh, carry a box, the box containing Thomas's remains, to a bridge over the river Thames. I believe right. it is. I believe it is. The notion of helping a woman home is under the theory that they're smaller than the average person or defenseless. Yeah, I feel like this is you could let her walk home alone. Kate would be fine, especially when you they didn't include the detail that he sat on her shoulder like a parrot, and then he kind of whipped her with with a horse whip and got her going. Oh, oh, you want to play horse owner on horse? (laughs) That's a game I played many a time. It's because I got these hunches here. Hey, (laughs) so she said that she needed to carry the box over to a friend, and he said, "Of course." Yeah, let's go. So she told him once they got over a bridge. Hey, she- there, be a mate. Why don't you grab this box of mine? Huh? Don't worry about the clinging and cleaning inside of it inside of the bones. Huh? I don't know. I don't care. I don't care how heavy it is. Hey, why don't you carry it over there? Hey, don't you hop on my back? Give me a kiss. Hey, my name's Kate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> so she told her to leave him, uh, leave her on the uh, bridge while she met her friend. So he, I just need to meet him alone. The boy said that he heard a splash in the river soon afterwards. And when Webster met back up with him, she said, "Well, that's done." That's great. Yeah. There it, it, it was. Yep. And the there's nothing like a. Well, I gotta tell you, there's nothing that ducks like to eat better than a bunch of boiled whore. Uh huh. I've heard that. Well, this is a church-going elderly woman. I don't think the ducks liked her too much. So the next morning, it was fishermen who found the box and opened it up to reveal the chopped-up body inside. What uh, I love is this. I next think I got. Yeah. I got one here. I got one, Charlie. Uh, it's just another box of bones. They thought that it was a prank played by medical students. I want to see this. I have never. <laughs> seen i'm not a doctor and no, I, but no. we know doctors and i want to ask them is yeah. if they've ever used if you're a doctor and you listen to this podcast we know a coroner in yeah. fact who listens to the podcast have you ever taken a bunch of chopped up hands and feet and like <laughs> use them in a prank <laughs> if you haven't please do and uh let me over at your Just house for halloween threw it in wonderful. the river for the fishermen to find the next day it is an elaborate very funny joke if it yeah. was true well medical students way back in the day were known as very ghoulish human beings because yeah. they used to grave rob on the regular they had to because that's how they got their the, their boxes they, they got their bodies to practice surgery yeah mm-hmm. they would take they would basically pull them out of the ground in order to practice stitching yeah yeah, yeah. ghoulish people it worked for us though for a while thank god they yeah. did it yep very helpful guys well, when the constable arrived he surmised that this no this was no prank uh the headless corpse was indeed the victim of a murder this guy had no sense of humor whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. And at the same time the body was being discovered, Kate Webster was haggling with John Church over the price of the dead woman's furniture. Uh, but Church, kind of sensing that something was a little fishy here, he declined the offer. And Kate, sensing that Church was mm-hmm. probably going to go reporter, she gathered her son and fled to the desti- to the train station destination Inniscorthy, Ireland. Ooh. Church did indeed go to the police, and they searched the house. They found, of course, a lot of evidence of body disposable, but disposal because Kate was a shitty maid. Absolutely, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I will say, Jeffrey Dahmer for a while. Great maid, unbelievable <laughs> maid. Ted Bundy, great maid. You have to be. That's actually really. Tr- to be a serial killer, you got to be at least half mate. <laughs> you have to clean up a lot. You got to you got to do a great work. You got to do great work cleaning up after the crime scene. That was her number one flaw. Wasn't good at her maid job. Exactly. Mm. And implicated by a letter that they found that she had left in the apartment. Uh, that Which was. Is, is, uh, I did it. No, yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. It was sent to an uncle in Ireland, to pretty much telling them, hey, I'm coming to Ireland. Uh, so they called up the Royal Irish Constabulary, uh, and they located Kate and arrested her on March 28, 1879. She was found guilty, and when the verdict was read, she screamed, I never did it! <laughs> Well, ah, ah, and she broke her shackles, and it took four <laughs> policemen to jump mm-hmm. on her back. And he's like, ah, I think ah. that's the King Kong story. Did she, oh, yeah, did she climb up the Empire State Building? Quote, yeah, and there was another weird quote she said. She was like, "You wouldn't like me when I'm angry." Oh. <laughs> and she turned green and uh, chopped, chopped up. Old bitches. Yeah, an incredible Hulk reference. So with the black cloth on his head, the judge sentenced her to hang less than a month later on July 28th, 1879. And after watching Kate Webster go to the gallows, the mayor of Wandsworth, Arthur Griffith, said she was, quote, a defiant, brutal creature who Mm -hmm. showed no remorse and who broke out into the most appalling language. Hey, uh, she broke the rope. We oh, need yeah. a new rope over here. You'd need like a bridge cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a, that was a sports fishing line. Definitely. That put her up there, man. I guess uh, 
You just got to be careful who you rent your house to because uh, if you, you rent your house to the wrong person, you may end up getting murdered with an axe. With an axe. Yeah. Always, if you are doing Airbnb right now, specify no axe murderers. No axe murderers. And also, if you're renting our house out for an Airbnb, take the axes out of there. Yeah. <laughs> no axes should be around. Um, so that's our first chapter yeah. in the world of axe murder. Oh, oh, yeah. Two amazing cases. God, very very underreported. Yeah. I uh, feel so much more virile now. Mm, I've got hair on my on the tips of my fingers. Uh, just tell you, just wait till we get to uh, the cases of Frank Fernando Jones and Carla Faye Tucker. And it's I also weird I'm getting hair growing up in the palms of my hands. That's sad. Jerk an awful lot. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe early onset cancer or something. You might oh, cool. No, I've stopped touching myself. Good, 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 good. That's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. Let's give a hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Follow us on Twitter. Yes, we're, we're active on Twitter now. We finally took the initiative. So it's LP on the left. Um, so it's just at LP on the left and follow us there. And uh, we're, we're going to be showing some showing you the insight of the research and some funny jokes and stuff like that. Cool. <laughs> Shut up, Henry. <laughs> Henry, you're lonely. Don't don't project it on me. Of course, go join the Facebook page. Uh, go to iTunes and rate and reviews. It, uh, that helps us out a lot. Go to cavecomedyradio.com slash last podcast on the left to uh, buy a uh, t-shirt for 25 bucks. And you know, if you don't got 25 shit, you can just throw us like a dollar, five dollars, whatever. Just helps us keep the show going uh, and helps keep us uh, in Fancy clothing. Yeah, that's th- right. I mean, that's all we're doing and taking your money. Haha, yeah. <laughs> joke on you. I'm sitting here, I'm wearing a tuxedo right now. <laughs> yeah, all we do is wear very fancy <laughs> denim clothing. Ben is wearing the shirt with himself on it right now. Yeah. He's wearing his last podcast shirt. As some we would speak. say it's my only shirt. But hey, you know, check out some other shows on CCR Top Hat, Roundtable, Sex and Other Human Activities, Page oh, yeah. 7, all those things, you know, all that stuff. Hell me, I got to get my groove back, guys. I'm Stella. You, we'll get it back to you. Your groove yeah. is coming back. I can feel it. A couple more episodes about axe murders, and your groove is going to be fully back, Henry. Yeah. Just three or four more episodes about axe murders. <laughs> That's it. Magustulations, everybody. <laughs> For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 